Hello and welcome to Inside Bristol Live, the podcast that takes you behind the headlines and inside your local newsroom. I am your guest host, Christian Davis. I'm here with podcast and video Chris. Hello, Chris. Hello, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm very good. How are you? Yeah, very well. Very good, well. Good I've, stuff. Good I, haven't, stuff. I haven't got the microphone near my face. That's no, yeah. my only problem. I'm not prepared, mate. Oh. Right. Uh, we've got a really good show today. Um, so I first up, I will be speaking to Tristan Cork. Uh, he is going to be here discussing the importance of video in the modern day newsroom, how we use it, why we use it and why it makes a story that much better. Um, and this is kind of off the back of a, a story he did this week uh, about a man who was approached by armed police in the street. It was all caught on CCTV, made for some really dramatic video. It's a really good watch. Next up, we'll be chatting to Michael Young. He's back in the studio for what I believe is a podcast exclusive. That is, if you haven't read the story online, it's a big one. Uh, Going to be talking about VegFest. There's been some big news breaking this morning. I think that's probably a, a podcast first. I don't think, uh, Chris, am I right in thinking that Bally never got a podcast exclusive? I think. I, um, I don't think he did, no. No, well, there you go. One nil to me. Uh, so he'll be in the studio later. Right, let's jump into our conversation with Tristan. Are you comfortable now, Christian? Are you yeah, microphones in the right place? Yeah, it's just an awkward space, this uh, this cupboard. It's not so hot today, though, which is good. Um, anyway, we're with Tristan Cork, first guest this week. Um, he is here to talk about uh, a few really interesting stories he's been doing this week, and but kind of the over... What's the word? The umbrella topic is the importance and power of video for us yeah. in um, in the modern newsroom. Um, so, yeah, if you just talk us through like the first story that you've been working on. I've been doing three stories this week, um, all of which where video was very important to them. Um, video was really important in telling the story and setting the scene. And actually, I'm a person who's written, um, spent their life writing words. <laughs> and now uh, I've got an extra, it feels really empowering to have an extra tool, an extra way of telling a story. So the first one, um, and perhaps the one that people might have seen the most, um, was actually a uh, an incident that happened in fish ponds. Um, it actually happened about three weeks ago now. Um, but it was what. So basically, what happened was a man who was running, who runs a restaurant there, um, a dessert bar, um, stepped out of his restaurant, and suddenly he's got armed police, an armed policeman pointing a high-powered rifle at him and then other ones coming in from the other side and he literally does not know what um is happening he he said that they he thought they were shouting at someone behind him it was one of those going what me <laughs> who, who me are you talking to me um moments and uh so he was in shock and the police um they had uh been told that they were uh that there was a wanted man at this place and um and that wasn't true uh but the police obviously quite quickly identified him this man that they had kind of did he just get his idea or how did yeah, he do it so he was absolutely terrified of being shot obviously yeah 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 it's an uh, insane video like yeah because it's just not something you see on the streets of britain like generally is it like no no something associated like with america like. it looked like a movie yeah um and and he you know they're telling him to get down on the floor he didn't know what to do um and he's it's quite interesting his first instinct was to put his hands on the bonnet of a car that was in front of yeah, him yeah yeah because it's that's the kind of thing that they ask you the american <laughs> police ask you to do so maybe he he 
you know, felt he was, he was in some kind of horrible movie. What was also interesting about when I was talking to him that he just the moments he described, he described in detail what happened, um, and the way he told it, it sounded like it was uh, it took a long time. But when you actually watched the video, the, the 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 description he gave of the period of time was actually only about three seconds, and it's really fascinating just from a kind of psych ecology point of view how time slows right down in those moments of really high stress mm. um and you know that moment felt like a you know an age for him that he's got a, a gun pointing at his head um but actually it wasn't that long. well he put his hands on the bonnet of the car and they went around behind him so they were all still pointing guns at him for a, for a number of minutes but the specific bit at the very start of it he said you know the way he described it it sounded like it took a long time so he they he went he, he said you know i'm not a threat that was the first thing he said to them i'm not a threat i've got id can i get it out of my pocket and they told him no they would do that so they got out his id they found his id and at that moment realized that they that it wasn't the person that they they were looking for and that's where he now has an issue of about what happened next because his issue is that um he that that he was still detained at that moment. He was still held by the police. They weren't. He wasn't allowed to go and do, you know, go walk away or go back into his shop. Mm. And the police went into his into his um, into his place of uh, his, his business and cleared out all the customers. And um, and it's affected his business badly. And he came, and he wanted to basically say to the the community in fish ponds that you know he had done nothing wrong. He has done nothing wrong. Mm. That this was a mistake. Um, by the police in, in in a way and they haven't really apologised to him and haven't um, you know he's still got a grievance against the police he's still not happy with how how they what they did but also how they dealt with it afterwards you know he said that they just shrugged their shrugged his shoulders now this now you see this is where the importance of video comes in because I was say yeah so so ha- what difference did having that CCTV make to this story because you had everyone gathered around your desk watching this yeah. video so it's it, that so good there's two aspects to that the first is that um the video in itself is a powerful thing to to watch it's a, it's a shocking moment um and um it tells the story far better than any words i can produce would do um, but secondly, if he'd have, if I'd have had this story and there'd been no video, it would have been there would have been a lot more element of doubt about what happened and whether mm. his account of what happened was accurate. Um, and and um, whether that or turns not, it into he says she says. Sort yeah, of thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's what you don't. And want. people will always, um, you know, the, the, we wouldn't have got an ac- we wouldn't have got a detailed account of the event from the police at all you know in in the event they didn't give us a you know they basically just tried to you know there was a statement that they issued and it it, it kind of explained you know what a bit, the basics of what happened um but they wouldn't have you know described the moment that, mm. that this happened and they wouldn't have explained what they did and why and stuff but actually having that video there is incontrovertible proof of mm. what went on you know you can't argue with an actual scene that's played out in front of you. Um, and it's it's a fascinating thing now, this thing with video. This was from a CCTV camera. All the police have got body-worn cameras that they mm. wear now. Um, and so many people, everyone has a fairly decent standard video camera in their pocket that they carry around with them in, the, yeah. in, the, in their phone. Yeah. 
Um, and that has changed the game in terms of reporting things like this, incidents that happen where it's, you know, it's a one-off incident that's gone on. And, you know, there's been three or four minutes in a street where, you know, events have transpired that are completely out of the ordinary. Mm. You know, the police holding up a man at gunpoint or a fight happening or whatever it might be. And, um, and actually, it's a really good thing. So it's a good thing from from my point of view because it helps tell the story. It helps bring people in to to realise what's gone on. But at the second um, time, it also, le- you know, you don't get that argument about a dispute over events. Mm. Um, and it's a fascinating thing that we're talking about. Really. Yeah, it allows people to make their own mind up. I, I was just thinking uh, PC Body and yeah. uh, Judah. Exactly. That but- video, uh, I mean... By far and away, the most interesting part of that is the video, obviously, and from all yeah. the different angles that you, we eventually got. Yeah. And uh, being able to make your own mind up about whether the decision was right in the end and exactly exa- whether it was um, a legitimate use of, of, a, of a taser. Yeah. And and what's really interesting about that is, um, so I interviewed An- uh, the Chief Constable Andy Marsh after the, um, the latest thing that happened, which was the... Um, the, the the PC body was cleared of misconduct um, by an independent panel um, for what for using that taser on on Judah Dunby. So this is going back to sorry for listeners who haven't caught up with this news, but this was going back to I think January last year when a man was um, tasered in the face in Eastern outside his home um, by a police officer um, after a kind of ten minute altercation about who he was and he didn't want to tell them who he was. Um, and anyway, so what's interesting about that, there's two parts, really. The first is that um, the only reason we knew about that incident and the only reason it became a big story was because someone, a neighbour, filmed it on their phone. Mm. So we had video of it before anything else. We had that, this is what it was. He put it on YouTube um, We and then quickly took it down. But <laughs> what was um, the key thing about that was that, that Judah was arrested and charged with assaulting a police officer, and then when the when the police realised a that 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 um, there was an issue with identification, they thought they they were talking to someone else. They thought they were the reason why they tasered him was because they believed him to be someone else. Mm. Um, and when they realised that, and when they when they realised that there was a video, do, you know, out there of what happened. The charge against Judah was withdrawn, and actually, then it became an issue of whether the police had done what the police had done. Had they done anything wrong? So, if that video hadn't been there, it might well be that nothing of, of this had come out ever. Mm. And what we ended up with at the end of a very long road from January to September now is we've ended up with not only the video of that the, that the neighbour took on his mobile phone, but we've ended up with also having the full body camera, body-worn camera video from both the uh, PC body and her um, colleague who was there, who, um, you know, and they're, and they're up close physically in contact with Judah during this time. Um, so all three angles of that were displayed. And Andy Marsh said, you know, uh, it's up to people to make their own mind up about what, whether or not the police in that situation acted um, in in the proper way. Now, PC Body was cleared, found not guilty of 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 a, of a charge of assault, and then found not guilty of misconduct. And she's now 
clear to continue her policing duties unhindered um and without a stain on her you know that she's you know backed and and there's nothing uh nothing hanging over her now um in terms of that and she's you know it, it, two different hearings have found that she didn't do anything wrong um but everyone's got the video camera to everyone's mm. got the video footage to see um the other stories i've done this week so the three main stories i've done this week all involve video and all wouldn't have been possible without video really mm. early on monday morning there was a problem with the diesel tanks under the uh, yeah, the course, petrol yeah. station at tesco mm. In Eastville, which is one of Bristol's main petrol stations, the busiest petrol station, yeah, right the on M32. the M32, yeah. right on the M32. And Sunday, uh, first thing Monday morning, um, about sort of six, seven in the morning, as you know, it's just getting light, all these cars start breaking down, vans, taxis, um, and they're all diesels. So obviously there's a problem. And uh, they all start breaking, they're, they're lining the road, they're lining the road to the M32, there's some of them have managed to get onto the M32 but then conked out. Some of them haven't even got off the forecourt. There's a big crowd of people and somebody, a taxi driver, gets out his phone and starts filming the scene ostensibly with a commentary, ostensibly to warn people. He put it on social media to warn people, don't come to Tesco petrol station and fill up with diesel. There's a problem, everyone's breaking down. Now, at that moment, that is first-hand witness account of something that's happening. Now, obviously, no one's got hurt or anything, but it's a problem. It's a big issue for people, um, and it's a big story. And it's the kind of thing that people want to read about because it's the kind of thing that you don't, you know, it's not supposed to happen. You're supposed to fill up your car with fuel and it, and that and that fuel to be hundred percent reliable. Um, so that was a so without that story, if we'd have just had a phone call from someone later on like two hours later because mm. this was six in the morning um if we'd have had a phone call at eight in the morning saying oh well, i had a problem with my fuel i broke down lo- loads of other cars did by the time we'd got there the petrol station was closed and all the cars had been towed away yeah. so there's nothing there yeah it's, it's still a good story but yeah. the video just makes it so so much better and yeah. being able to visualize stuff being able to pair words with video makes it a really kind of potent thing doesn't yeah. it like, it's a, a really strong weapon to have for us yeah in terms it, of- it is it is but it, it you know and, and we all, people often accuse uh online news organizations of kind of just writing about video oh we've got a good video we're going to write about it mm. and, and making a story out of a video of something funny that's happened or some and it, and it actually it, the, the ones that spring to mind instantly are the kind of near misses on the roads like yeah. dash cam footage yeah. of of somebody vaguely cutting someone else up on the around, roundabout and stuff and they and those things then they are slightly tenuous and i do i do kind of uh you know sometimes we people go a bit too far with those sorts of things but when it's a when it's a legitimate story anyway and the video is you know is the it shows exactly what you're talking about then it's perfect mm. um and so the third one which we've just published just before we came in on so we're um recording this on a wednesday so it's wednesday lunchtime um was uh, a video that was sent to me um from somebody who was working in the center um, right by the fountains, uh, sort of Baldwin Street area, uh, early on Saturday morning, about five thirty a.m. So, for a lot of people, that would be Saturday morning. For a lot of other people, that would still be Friday night. <laughs> um, and for these people, it was. They were there was a gang of lads, and uh, they were going through the centre, and um, 
not being you know b- you know being a bit kind of uh being a bit antisocial someone obviously said something and they basically just kicked him basically mm. just knocked him down and kicked uh kicked him on the ground several times many times and at one point there's like five or six of them all gathered around him kicking him yeah it's nasty uh, nasty it's actually. a nasty attack yeah. and i mean the 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 man you know i think he 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 managed to he, he was all kind of bloodied and stuff but he managed to kind of stand up and get away and and you know he didn't seem you know de- really badly seriously hurt um but obviously it's not you know he perhaps had a lucky escape but when when the, this this argument was about to start or was starting in progress before it turned violent somebody who was witnessing it across the road quickly got out their phone and started filming it and um you know it's not the greatest quality footage but it does show a shocking scene of someone kicking it was a quite a long way away mm. and um you know we're lucky we've got somebody with a great technical skill to be able to kind of zoom in and and enhance it and stuff yeah. so we managed to do that um <laughs> look at it chris he's here with us now he's yeah. here with us now video and podcast chris <laughs> yeah um so we were we were able to do that and it was good and um uh, you know and the and that is now evidence we we sent it you know i sent it to the police and said you know look at this this is obviously a crime mm. um it's obviously you know you need to to investigate this um and they want people to come forward who who witnessed it uh um so you know hopefully something can be done um about that but again it's another instance of uh, everyone is now a cameraman everyone mm. is now a reporter everyone now has the possi- the capacity to to film stuff um that they see and you know please send us all the yeah, videos yeah. we love videos i think like i yeah having a good video to go with the story is one of the like most exciting parts of the job now i think like yeah. if you stumble across something or something gets sent to you it's like i mean yeah just going back to the video the first video you're speaking about the armed police uh, mm. kind of approach to the bloke in um easton that as oh, a fish pond sorry it's fish pond yeah, yeah fish pond but, um that piece of video is just so kind of startling isn't it because mm. it's just not what you expect to see um on the streets ever really here no um, and the key thing is as well you know from the from the story's point of view is that often you see those things and and this is the you know and you can set and you can frame it as this is the moment the police arrest a criminal mm. but for it to be someone who's completely innocent is actually even more shocking really mm. um and you know they, they they kind of had got the wrong man they didn't you know they 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 thought there was something somebody there that they needed to arrest at gunpoint and it and he wasn't and they did that to that man mm. and you know he was actually petrified for his life for a good yeah yeah you know he's uh, you know, I met him spoke to him he is still you can still tell he's still shocked mm. um I think it's going to take a long time for him to get over it. You know, I can't imagine what I would do if I had a gun pointed at me from a policeman shouting at me. Yeah. You know, you just, time freezes. So, uh, you know, fair play to him and for him to speak out. And he wanted, wanted to speak out because the community, everyone, you know, people, when they see a video, when they see uh, armed police pointing the gun at someone and, and him being, you know, uh, detained, they naturally assume that that person and that business is must be somehow criminal, and he wanted to speak out to make sure that the community in Fishponds knew that he had, you know, he's done nothing wrong, and you know they can the 
the business that for him to go into you know for them to go into his business is still safe yeah yeah and the video will go somewhere some way to to helping that that's yeah know. i mean i hope so i hope yeah. so because he's a nice chap i was just thinking like the i did a story the other week of it was essentially a happy slap but because we have the capacity to actually put these videos online and speak to the family so like Happy slapping was a thing in like the noughties, wasn't it? I guess or like late noughties. Yeah. What's that? Is that where like kind of someone films yeah, themselves someone, bullying someone? Yeah. Oh, I think. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Someone getting beaten up, and it's just people standing around film it and then yeah. upload it somewhere. But news sites never used to be able to put those videos on on websites and write about them and turn it into a story. But that one, now you can do that, and mm. and it becomes a shocking incident when it's because it was two girls beating up another younger girl i think and then the mum had gone kind of public about yes it. in a playground yeah yeah and then that that uh actually makes it a story being able to have a chat with the the family or other and yeah. uh put yeah, the video and, and uh, that, that shocked people i think and yeah. also i mean it's really good from in terms of um you can see exactly uh with, with something like that you can see who they are you know you get it teases out the people, you know, all mm. you might end up with is a description of someone. But then if you can see their face on a video mm. doing whatever it is that, that you want to do. I mean, the police, um, the police issue, don't, you know, I really don't think they issue enough CCTV often. Actual you, you video. Yeah, yeah, actual video. Still a lot of pictures. Still, yeah. and the, other, the other case, of course, we which we are talking about video in Bristol of sort of criminal things is, of course, the one that we haven't spoken about is Ben Stokes. Yeah. Which, you know, is... Uh, was filmed um, by more than one person. Uh, this is an argument in Clifton last September. Um, and it was filmed, it was just a big punch up in the street. And um, of course the video was bought by The Sun, I think, newspaper. Yeah, I believe and, so. and it was only, but then it was used in evidence along with other videos of, and CCTV in the court case. And it was referred to in the court case as the son's video, <laughs> which which they kind know of, the power of the video. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's it, it's um and and you know if Ben if no one had videoed that mm. that incident, then I wonder whether um I think the outcome would have been different. I think probably um either you know the police might not have they would have been stuck because they would have just had like you say they'd have had he said. The other mm. fella said that other man said this about yeah, it yeah. and stuff. But with a video that they can just instantly just go, well, that's what happened. Yeah. There we go. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Tristan. No um, as he said, send us your videos. Um, if there's anything decent going on, then we'll, we'll certainly be interested. But, Definitely. Yeah, cheers, Tristan. Thank you. Really, really interesting stuff from Tristan there uh, about the power of video and the way we use it in the modern day newsroom. I, I hope that's given you some insight into why, how and when we will use video and how it can really supplement a story and turn a, a good article into a great article. Next up, we'll be chatting to Michael Young. Another really interesting conversation and some really big news about a, a kind of stalwart of the Bristol festival scene. So stay tuned. We have got second guest Michael Young in the office. He's finally here. Um, through no fault of his own. His shift only just started, that's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he is here to discuss what is probably the first podcast exclusive. I've got another one over on Alex Ballinger, I think, there. <laughs> uh, it's a podcast exclusive. It's a, a pretty massive story, actually, uh, for Bristol and... Um, 
the event scene, one of the one of the city's biggest events, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Michael's here to just talk us through it and talk through the possible ramifications of this. But mm-hmm. Michael, so um, we are going to let people know on Friday morning because this is obviously recorded before Friday that unfortunately one of the biggest community festivals that Bristol has will no, no longer run from next year. So VegFest, which is a vegan festival or a festival to promote veganism and um, which draws, you know, tens of thousands of people every year, will no longer be in Bristol next year. They've had trouble before. Uh, VegFest um, famously struggled to get a, a venue for this year after disagreements with Bristol City Council. Um, obviously, the price hike from Bristol City Council. Um, they moved to Ashton Gate, didn't do that well. So the organisers have decided, the organisers who, who I must add are from Bristol, have decided they're not coming back to their home city. Bristol has the oldest VegFest in the country. It was started here in Bristol and then expanded to Brighton and then to London. So it's a real shame to see Bristol lose a festival like that. Uh, It's just, but I I think the organisers have had enough and they face trouble after trouble every year. So they've told me that they're not coming back next year, which is terribly sad news. Yeah, it is really sad to see um, a festival that's originated here and being created here and actually made a difference around the country kind Mm -hmm. of disappearing from the Bristol scene. it's a bit of a weird one, really, because a, a big story last week that a lot of people would have been celebrating was take that being signed to play at Ashton Gate. Mm-hmm. But actually, for VegFest, this was more bad news. Yes. Yeah, so um, their date, which normally happens, the festival normally happens in May, and their date, which um, they had planned for at Ashton Gate, has now been given to take that. Um, now, they obviously hold no ill feeling to it take that or Ashton Gate uh, mm. they, they're very grateful that Ashton Gate let them run the festival there this year but unfortunately because it, it was held in Ashton Gate this year um, it was it was a real struggle to get the same footfall as they did pre- previously over the last 14 years previously where they held it right in the city centre by Millennium Square and the Lloyds Amphitheatre now that was a great venue for them but what happened was the price of renting out such a public venue had more than doubled um, by Bristol City Council. And so they made an announcement in 2017 on stage that they were not coming back for 2018. And there was a public nearly to and fro between the council and VegFest organisers, uh, with both of them saying that you shouldn't have risen prices, you know, and the other festivals also being quite upset that the price of the rental of public spaces have gone up. Um, famously, Don Cameron, who of Cameron Balloons, who uh, was the founder of Bristol Balloon Fiesta, um, also come out and said he had fears if they were going to be charged for using Ashton Court. And so it was a big story of last year, but I think this year is quite different. They went private venue. They thought, you know, it would be bigger than before. It was in terms of the number of stores, they had more bends on. But because Ashton Gate was not in the city centre, it was very difficult to get the same footfall as um, as as a venue right in the city centre. And so the organisers just decided 
they were not going to do it. Um, Tim Barfoot, who is the chief exec and also the founder of VetchFest from Bristol, um, told me that um, they've only broken even twice in the last 16 years. Um, and that's a real struggle for him because, you know, at the end of the day, running a festival is business. Um, it has clearly, VetchFest has always been quite a cheap festival co- to go to. I think last year's tickets were something between 10 and 12 pounds or 8 and 10 pounds previously when it was in the city centre. Uh, more or less, you know, it was okay. And a lot, a lot of people went to it. I went to it. I'm not vegetarian or vegan. Uh, I went to it and really enjoyed a day out. It's got a great atmosphere. And it's just a real shame to see it go like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what kind of precedent does this set now? Kind of seeing a big festival, big Bristol festival disappear mm. from a public space in the city centre. Mm. Um, obviously, the events calendar is pretty packed in Bristol. We have a, a lot of uh, events and festivals that people really love. Mm-hmm. Um, is this possible that we could see this happening to anything else? Are other festivals potentially going to be affected by these kind of rent hikes? Yeah, Tim, Tim is, is obviously worried about it. Um, Tim Barfoot, I mean, when he talked to me about it, he mentioned that VetchFest started off 15 years ago as a little community festival to talk to people about veganism. At that point, if you can imagine 15 years ago, it was not a very popular concept (laughs) being a vegetarian or a vegan. It was viewed as too hipster or too out there. Um, obviously now it's a very common lifestyle choice or you know a very common choice among many people and so in, in one sense Tim think believes that you know it's achieved its goal that it set out to do 15 years ago it's true. but also it's struggled because nowadays there are more you know there's smaller vegan festivals all across the southwest so previously you have people coming from Somerset some even as far as Cornwall Gloucestershire you know down to Bristol for VetchFest and nowadays those places have their own festivals Somerset you know nearly most of the places in Somerset have their own little sort of Vetch vegan festival Gloucestershire's got his own vegan festival now Cornwall's got his own vegan festival now and so he struggled to get the same number so I don't think the price hike is necessarily the sole reason for it moving. There are a lot of reasons for for hike in prices, whether it was rental prices, it also includes stuff like um, health and safety costs and the need to put in toilets, the need to put in security and all that. So that, you know, excess and all that, that becomes, that mounts up. And so his cost of running such a festival has gone up more than three times over the last few years and he, he just can't afford it anymore. So Bristol's not it's not just the Bristol one that's going to close sadly next year's festival in Brighton is also going to be Brighton's last festival now that one is obviously very well loved as well a lot of people who don't normally come up to Bristol maybe they're from um, Plymouth they would go to the Brighton festival but that's also the last one and he just doesn't think that community festivals necessarily can draw the same number of people anymore Mm. And, and that's I mean Hopefully that's not true, but there are you know little festivals around Bristol that sometimes maybe um, are not as well known to everyone in the city, but they you know they draw a decent crowd as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, they are carrying on in London, though. Is that right? They are. So it, London's their newest project. 
Um, they started in Bristol. Five years later, started in Brighton. And if my maths serves me serves me right, then another five years later, start in London. Uh, the one in London is huge. Uh, it, in terms of the people, number of people it draws, it draws people from all across the country and, you know, tourists and everything else. So London really does support itself in terms of a festival, especially if it held, if it's held right in central London. You, you know, obviously it's going to be more expensive than Bristol, but you'll probably make it back. Also, you have to keep in mind that a lot of the store holders who normally set up the store at such a festival, they have to make a decent return. Mm. So many of these store holders don't come from London or Bristol or Brighton. They come from further afield. So they must be able to make some sort of money um, in order to for them to decide, you know, we might close our cafe for two or three days and then set up store in Bristol hoping that they'll obviously make more profit. But that's not always the case now because, let's be honest, you can find a vegan cafe nearly anywhere in Bristol. Mm. And that's one less than three minutes from yeah. my house. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's a very good point that they've they've actually done their job and I'm sure they're mm. really happy with the way things are at the moment oh, yeah. in, the, in terms of people's lifestyles and choosing to be vegan and vegetarian. So at least, um, mm. yeah, I mean, that, that's a positive side, I suppose. Mm. Um, so in terms of kind of embargo stories how how do you kind of like prepare yourself now no having that knowledge because mm. obviously we're talking on Wednesday knowing that you're going to write this story about something that's not particularly good news but mm. knowing that you're not allowed to like let people know or just how do you go about that I mean you have to keep it in the newsroom that's mm. clear um it's not just embargoes and exclusive embargo so it means you've got it to yourself uh sometimes as reporters, they choose not to talk to anyone about it. Um, I view it quite differently. I think my news desk needs to know about it if they are to prepare for it for a Friday release. I think my sub-editors need to know about it if they're to prepare for it for a Friday release. Um, what we don't want is last minute, sort of, oh, I've got this story that Vetstress is leaving and everyone then just scrambles around. So yeah. I've more or less written the story, more or less done the interview, uh, and what you have to do now is just it's, it's just a waiting game but at the same time you know obviously it's great to be able to break the news on podcasts um, you know whenever you're listening to this podcast maybe over Saturday, Sunday or whole of next week um, you know you can always go back and see the story but this is how the story came about it started off as an embargo and funny enough a lot of stories we do don't necessarily happen on that day. It's not like we interview on that day, get a story on that day. Stories are worked up over days, uh, weeks, months, and sometimes you know up to a year. I've I think that's the longest I've ever worked on a story. But uh, yeah, yeah, it takes time to put a story together. So something like that, you know. Again, I'm not a what's on writer. I'm a <laughs> news writer, but um, I've got history covering Vetchfest from. Um, the very first time in 2017 where they um, decided to cancel. In fact, even before that, I've had mm. history working with Fetch Fest all the way back to 2015 where I wrote about the festival. I became a vegan for two weeks <laughs> to see what it was like. Um, and so, yeah, we, we build up the real rapport with, with the organisers. And to be fair, they've been really, really kind to the Bristol Post and and kind to us in terms of coverage. So, yeah. Cool. Well, we'll miss them then. Um, we will, yeah. Yeah, great. Well, I look forward to reading the story. And yeah, thanks a lot for coming in, Mike. No worries, Chris.
There you have it from Michael. Really interesting stuff. Once again, big news for Bristol, really. Not good news, but um, we wish the organisers of VegFest every success in the future. And uh, hopefully one day they'll be back. You never know. Right, that is it for today's show. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Thanks very much to my guests once more, uh, Tristan Cork and Michael Young. Um, you can read the stories they were talking about online on either of their author pages. We'll link to those in the description below. You can rate, like or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts. And you can get involved on social media by following us at Inside Bristol Live on Twitter. That's it for today's show. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you soon. 